Book of Boba Fett Chapter 2 gives us a way better episode than the first one in some of the richest Tatooine lore ever in Star Wars. We're going to talk about that right now. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Star Wars Lads. It is the Book of Boba Fett Chapter 2, The Tribes of Tatooine spoiler review. So if you have not watched the episode, come back as, as soon as you watch it because we're going to dive into full spoilers, everything that happens in this episode right now. And yeah, this, as I said, <laughs> the cold open, oh my god, this is so much better than the first one. It's really, I think Mr. Rodriguez um, watched this one instead <laughs> of, of episode one, because there were big reveals in this. There were a lot of the plot was set forward in this, a lot of really great moments. And yeah, I can't wait to dive into those right now. But before we do so, please hit that like button down below, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you're notified whenever we release new videos from Star Wars Lads. We are going to be covering the Book of Boba Fett completely with speculation videos that will be coming out later in the week. So you're going to want to stay tuned here for all the Book of Boba Fett over these next seven weeks of the, of the, uh, the entire show. So... Yeah, and then comment below, let us know what you thought of the Tribes of Tatooine, what your favorite moments were, if you didn't like anything, or what you thought of these big reveals in this episode. So, yeah, let's dive right in. Okay, um, everything about this episode is, to me, infinitely better than the last one. The last one, and... and and that's not to say the last one is bad, I did get to rewatch it a second time, and it has grown on me a bit more, but I think, as an opener, it does do a lot of the trudging of the exposition, setting us up, where is this world going to be, how is this show structured, what does it look like, uh, and I praised it last week for its immaculate costuming and, and set design, oh my god, it looks insane, I wrote down a little note while I was watching the episode, I'm like, if they're going to keep showing us this many insane looking Trandoshans, please give us Bosk at some point in the show, it'd be criminal not to give us Bosk, like, <laughs> like, that shot where he's walking to the mayor's office and all you see is the Trandoshans looking oh, yeah. at him. I was like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> the costume is so yeah. good. It's so, so good. good. Their eyes look amazing. So it's it's incredible. Uh, so just right off the bat, the aesthetics continue. It's an incredible looking episode. The stakes feel a little higher. Boba feels a bit more in control. He's not as beat down as he was in the first one. We really focused in the first episode on him in the back to tank. And then he beat, gets beat up by the Order of the Night Wind Assassins, who we get confirmed that that's the name of the Order. Uh, he gets beat up there. He doesn't use his jetpack for some reason. He He's just kind of a mess in the first episode. He's really getting his footing and, and he's letting the mayor step all over him. Here he means business. He walks up. We get a nice western type shot of you know his feet is walking up we get the crowd looking at him it's very western-esque everybody's like oh god here he comes and then he, we see the mayor meeting so we've checked that off the trailer and mark now uh, all of that was phenomenal then we get the twins that stand i love the way the twins look i love the hut design in this just the the, the I mean, costuming and the effects again absolutely insane <laughs> absolutely insane and and the mix of cgi and then we get the big reveal and I'll, I'll pass it to you for your thoughts on the big reveal of our, our first of hopefully many big underworld characters that are revealed in this and it gives me a little bit of hope that we get might get one more character who's in this circle a little bit eventually and it is black croissantin or croissantin however you say it black croissantin is here it's uh if you don't know who that is you're seeing a picture right now but this is basically the bounty hunter chewbacca uh but much bigger much more intimidating <laughs> he's got the crazy cool shoulder pads and this this character i think 
it's it's really nice to see this because finally we're giving some credence to these comics and this character has been around since 2015 like this is this is not somebody that just made up and then they put in a comic like a month ago so that we would know who it is and then now we get it this is somebody who's been around for the entirety of the resurrection of star wars eu and canon and like building this world in the novels and comics and so for me I and mean, this was so exciting i i jumped up in my seat i was like thank finally finally and they did it i, I was telling Sonic before this started I would I scrolled through the entire credits hoping to see some type of confirmation this this is who this is because I think it would be a whole new level of just insane for them to put a black Wookiee in here that's about to enter with the exact same costume design and not make it black or something. But I think I mean I'm pretty safe to say that's who it is. <laughs> what were your thoughts when you saw him in this? I mean, it was just me saying yes, 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 because it's like like you said comic books dominate so much of film and television shows these days but as much as you know we make a lot of these great adaptations and all that there's a there's a little bit of a slight bitterness to it because once the tv show or the movie blows up that changes the comic that becomes how the comics molded and you know, it becomes a comic as an adaptation of the movie at that point or the TV show. So a lot of the original, really fun, fascinating things about characters and designs kind of get lost. Like if you look, for example, the original Guardians of the Galaxy, they're very different. They've had many different iterations, but the one that is very close to the movies, Gamora looks way different. I mean, the only person who looks the same is Rocket, basically. And the I guess to a degree group, but their personalities are a little bit different. And look, it's fine. It's an adaptation. It's MCU. It's what works in the universe, what those actors interpret and bring out of those comics. And that's amazing. And they've been a fun group in their own right. But, you know, when you see something like the Guardians of the Galaxy video game, there's a blending of the movies and the comics. And it's like, okay, you can appreciate a little bit more of the original design, the concepts, their interactions, their relationships. So all that just to say Star Wars is not very friendly to comics or hasn't been. I mean, just in 2021, we had Bad Batch premiere and that very first episode just knocked out the whole first issue of the Kanan uh, series, which was one of the first ever canon comic books that we had, especially when Star Wars Rebels was like midway through, it was definitely finding its feet, you know, it was before... We had the season two finale and Kanan was probably one of the bright spots of a show that was growing. And then that happens to replace it later on a few years later in the Bad Batch. And you're like, well, yes, that's cool. That's fun. You can kind of interpret in one way and all that. But you kind of lose a little bit of like, oh, man, like I, I wish the comic book was there because the comic book had some really interesting stuff with the characters, with the relationships with the clones and all that. And here it's like, Eh, right, but this is an example of a character that I think was just pulled straight out of the comics, who was comics only, who's got strong relationships to Boba, who's got relationships to Dr. Aphra, just has been in Star Wars canon comic books for a long time and has been growing as a character. He's got such interesting armor. So like, if someone else is wearing that armor, that would be shocking to me at this point. It's so unique. He doesn't have a scar, like you were saying before this, Liam. Bacta. I'm just gonna go with Bacta. At some point, you know, if you're if you're working for uh, two twins that are huts, 
I'm assuming they got money. <laughs> then they're just like, you know, for appearances, just clean that thing up and he's fine. Fine. You're paying me big bucks, sure, whatever. His character's got a metallic exoskeleton, all this and that. And that, I mean, that's stuff we're going to know as comic book uh, readers. And that's how we're like, oh man, I, I remember all these details. And they at least visually kept him the same. He's doesn't really talk in the comics. He kind of refuses to more often than not. And you can see that like knowing stare between him and Boba, right? Boba's like, I'm not intimidated. And it's like, yeah, it's like, I've worked with him. I probably worked against him. I probably fought him. He knows who I am. I know who he is. In a way, I don't think Black Chrysanthemum knows to what extent Boba is like recovering slash damaged from the Sarlacc and all this and that. But there's that like, there was like the first time in this show where I felt the respect for both the comic character and like the hype around a character that which Boba has had for years and years and just in that interaction. And I mean, the litter, the huts, you know, we've been hearing the litter, the litter, the litter, like probably six or seven times and we finally saw it. And we're like, yeah, well, that's the litter right there. Like when I, when I heard twins, I was thinking maybe it's going to be like Stinky the Hut and like he's randomly has like a twin or something. This worked great well for me too. And it could still be Rod of the Hut. We just, we don't know. But actually that's not true because they are cousins of Jabba. So it can't work out that way. Um, and we just saw the whole hut console, console wiped out in the comic. So it's a nice little workaround where they're not directly contradicting anything that's been built up. So that whole scene was peak of the present day story. And I really love the willingness to at least keep the majority of the comic book character and the vibe and its essence and bring it to live action. Yeah, absolutely. And it was this whole, again, with this episode, it was more, um, I want to say closer to about 60, 60, 40, 65, 35 with the flashbacks dominating still over the present day stuff, the nine ABY stuff. But it worked so much better than this because we had a nice little clear transition. We had a nice little split and we had a nice setup and conclusion for both parts it was like okay this is what's going on and then now we're going to transition and finish a real arc with the secondary stuff so i want to move on into the flashback because that is the majority of this episode yeah and and as awesome as the present day stuff looks and i can't wait to find out the politics i love that they use the word family once in this about uh like the crime syndicate it is very godfather-esque they keep they kept comparing it to godfather and and, uh, before it was coming out the filmmakers and I'm glad we get to see that now. We're starting to see that slowly unfold. I love the standoff, the Western style type thing that they do with the litter. It was all great. But yeah, let's get into the flashback, which does dominate the last probably 35 minutes of this episode. And this flashback, I think we I think we both thought last week that the flashback was the best part of last week's episode, even if it was a little uneven the way they kept going back and forth to it. This flashback was was great. It was it was nice to tie full circle. It was nice to see where they're going with this. I think I think it both it went in the direction I thought it was going to, but I didn't know like the exact logistics on how they were going to ultimately get to how this ends with Boba Fett basically officially becoming part of this Tuscan tribe. I, I, it was it was great, and to see the Pikes as well, which was really cool, and, and just more underworld stuff to add to this 
underworld heavy show i'm uh, I, i'm glad they're giving us all the imagery and to see the pikes without masks too is also something very cool another like train heist this one more reminiscent to me is something like breaking bad than like your traditional western train heist but also still some of those elements it was kind of a westerny heavy episode uh but i loved everything they did with this i felt like even though this was the more predictable part of the episode for me, the, the episode where I could kind of see the end game as soon as it started, it was still really fascinating to see how it gets there. It's It, it was cool to see the Tashi Station confirmation, the Fixer and Kami confirmations as well, and the credits. Uh, all of that coming to a close. And, and also, for me, again, more stuff to check off from the trailers. Like uh, We're now yeah. entering that part where next episode i don't really know what to expect we still have the the meeting between him and the trandoshans and all the seemingly families of tatooine but other than that i don't know so but anyway this part was great what were your thoughts on on this flashback sequence and some of your favorite parts from it i think in general just the variety of experiences like like you said in the last episode we start off with the flashback and Look, it's Boba Fett. We have to, like, see what happens with him getting out of the Sarlacc. I'm, again, a big fan of them accommodating to who Tamora Morrison looks like and the fact that Boba Fett doesn't look like Tamora Morrison in the original trilogy. They clearly used a body double. He's in the Sarlacc. If you're being digested by an ancient worm of some sort, I don't think... Regardless of what Beskar you're wearing, plates or not, you're not going to be the same physically coming out of that. So it, it felt nice to like at least embrace who Tamar Morrison is right now. And he's still an extremely fit dude for being 60 years old. Like That's without a doubt. He might not be the guy who was when he was like 35 or something, but not many people are. So I like that they were letting his age show in a way that felt appropriate to the storytelling without hammering at home like hey he's an old man like no it worked there but like you said last episode structure was weird because once we got past that it was like all right here's some flashbacks okay present day story bam 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 all right now we're gonna go back and finish up this whole episode with another extension of the flashback of how he gets you know into a position of less of a slave and more of like Maybe not a full member of the tribe, but maybe like respected enough to do something with him. He's done something that they all know clearly he pulled off, not the kid. Let's see what he's got. Like he's done something and he saved the kid too. So he's done something for the tribe and it's our duty now to at least elevate him a bit. And that's what the story did because it's very much a symbiotic relationship. This is really his first healthy family that we know of in canon you know obviously he has his father i'm assuming he had a decent relationship with zan wessel too kind of like a motherly figure but that's that's all traumatic earlier stuff that came very early on in his life when he wasn't really bounty hunting and all that so those days can all kind of feel like the same over and over other than when his dad comes and goes but then after that you know he's raised by aura sink for a bit that's a horrible person to be raised by his syndicate her the whole group is terrible and she just leaves him for dead gets out of prison finally and then he has his own tattooing syndicate and they all were supposed to betray him in the star wars 1313 game and i'm assuming that still happens and they're all going their separate ways dengar and him are not friends you know they're rivals of sorts 
at least Dengar thinks he is. Um, you know, like there, there, there have been people who've been killing him basically after his father has died, like uh, trying to kill him again and again and again. So he doesn't have any family that he can say is by blood other than his father. And his father is just the original. He's the clone. So that there's a lot that like, you know, screws with a kid's mind growing up when you kind of realize that and then throwing himself into like wanting to be a bounty hunter and then go through all these terrible families. Yeah, he probably doesn't have, like, the best relationships with most people. But somehow, in some way, after being a slave to these Tuscans, he's he's now, like, in the in the group. And, and it starts off with him, like, really working with his, like, gaffy stick training. You know, I liked a lot of, like, the stuff with um, Mandalorian Season 2's first episode where they kind of use, like, Tuscan Raider sign language. Um, it's not like our American sign language or anything, but like I liked how it's developing that he's learned that. So some time has passed. He's working through it. So love that training stuff. That f- female warrior, or at least coded as female Tuscan, was just showing him like, hey, you're doing the same thing as me, but you're not doing it right. And it was nice to see like he still had like this whole episode was just him taking that last step for that connection, for that test of who he really is, all those different things. And also setting them up for who we're seeing so far in the modern day story. Like we see the the whole big part about it was like he sees the train attack and so many of the people who he was around die. And he's like, I can do something about it. This is, this is what my skill set has been used for. I'll do this. And then we get Tashi Station with uh, Cami and I, is his name Fixer or something? Like yeah. the original trilogy cutout characters from... Uh, the deleted scene with Biggs and all of them, and Luke's finally gets his power converters, whatever they may be. Um, yeah, I was really yeah. disappointed not to hear a reference to power converters. But there wasn't a reference was to really power good. converters. I wouldn't be surprised if a power converter at this point is just for them a drink, but for Luke an actual physical power converter. Like I could literally see that just being like, "Oh, <laughs> we are." I wasn't lying, but it's different for some people sort of thing there um and that was great that's that's like you know that's touching on like again legends how much of like boba stories tied to legends how great it is and it's nice to kind of get like this legends connection in that sense there's some original stuff with the train stuff that felt re- very reminiscent like you said of westerns and stuff like that but also felt reminiscent of solo star wars story with the train heist maybe not as complicated or complex but we do see the pikes and they're a pretty big player with kessel and all that and kessel is plays a role here um that train heist was action wise was amazing like uh jesus like I, I, I the cinematographer for this is i forget his name um but he's a, he's a cinematographer for the thing as well john carpenter's film um let me find his name dean cundy and he's doing book of Boba Fett, and you could tell with a lot of these camera angles modern day live action and flashback live action there was just a lot more different stuff than I didn't really see in uh, Mandalorian, which I thought was very fitting of like this rise that Boba's going through. Um, that whole fight was great. Stealing the speeders from that crew that was spray painting the moisture farm home from the last episode was great. Just assaulting them and then taking a drink and walking off without a word said. And the guy just starts cleaning. It was great. Um, yeah, training them to use speeders, jump from them. There's a brutality to this that I don't think was even really in the first episode of season two, where like you, you know some Tuscans have died, 
But here, this is just like Tuscans who are just trying to get to cover and they're just dead. Or like they just got learned how to use a speeder bike and they crash and burn because someone shoots at it. Like there's a little bit more brutality here than the Mandalorian has shown. And I'm, I'm really liking the differentiation. Action scene on the train was great. The train conductor was like this weird like spider-like droid, but also was like doing like, it looks like it's powered in the same way that like, at least similarly to pod racers with like the energy switching and the couples. There's just a lot of like steampunk kind of in there. That was, that was really cool to see. And then, yeah, I mean that all that was great, but my favorite part was like when he comes back, once the train, like he sits down with the pikes, he tells them like, Hey, who's your leader? Oh, you just, you know, Kessel slave mines. I don't like that. I don't appreciate that. If you want to, you know, go through these lands, you have to pay tenfold uh, if you kill one of the Tuscans. If not, regardless, pay a toll. You can see him grow. You can really see Boba grow as like into the position of a leader as he is seeing in the Tuscan chief of sorts. Like uh, Star Wars Explained had someone from a podcast uh, kind of give a perspective of how like there's the kid, the infantilization that Boba kind of feels throughout the last episode. There's the female warrior who represents Boba like in his prime and seeing himself stripped of his prime, you know, having to readjust to what that means, not being in that position. And then the chief who doesn't have to say much or do much, but has the respect of everyone, offers the water and is just, right? And I, I thought that was great that they were building off of that. Even the kid had a little fun moment now that he's like admiring his idol that is Boba. The female warrior was great. The chieftain. Well, the chieftain story is where it gets really weird, but really fun too, because a lot of Star Wars feels like it's very much pulled from Dune, and the Tuscans now more than ever have felt like the Fremen in Dune. And there's literally just like instead of spice hallucination, there's a lizard <laughs> that he just snorts up into his nose in that scene. And I'm I'm gonna stop there because I, I want to hear your thoughts because that, that when I saw that happen, I was like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I was a little concerned where we we're going with the Tuscans because, like I said earlier, um, I was a little. Or, or, this episode was a bit predictable in that sense, where I feel like the the Tuscan arc is going to be like, you know, how he finds his footing. He's gonna fall in line with the uh, the the tribe. I was looking for the right word there, but this was the part that I really was like, okay, we're taking it to the next level. We're trying to understand not just Tatooine and these Tuscans, but the entire ecosystem around Tatooine. They reference former oceans before the sand. Like you, you start to learn the, the history of these people and, and not just the history of this tribe, but this ancient history of Tatooine when it was once not a desert planet, once when it was a planet of oceans <laughs> instead of sand. Uh, it, it hints at this ancient history that I found really fascinating. And then yes, the tree scene, I love that we're also getting more flashbacks to the Daniel Logan uh, Boba Fett timeline as well. It gives me a lot of hope for a possible Jango Fett appearance in the show because <laughs> we have Jango Fett. You might as well do it. Um, it gives me a lot of hope to see more of that type of stuff. And, and yes, they never they never show this Daniel Logan stand-in face. They only show like a reflected image of the face on a window which is very easy to do with computers now. So I don't know if they would go that whole step to do an entire scene of dialogue, but I think we're, we're leaning towards possibly getting some more flashbacks of, of actual 
stuff in Boba's life, which to me would be really fascinating to see. Uh, see that idolization for his father, how it rubs off on how he leads, how his relationship with his father influenced his form of bounty hunting and who he is now. All of that would be really great. But yeah, I, I love this tree lizard sequence because it was really cool and it was nice and poetic to really come full circle with the branch he breaks off becoming his gaffy stick. And uh, yeah, it, it added another layer to the mythology of what felt like such a standard movie cliche of, of a person, a lost person becoming part of a tribe or a group of people who are also inhabitants of a, a place that uh, has been overrun by, you know, some type of technology and these people are forgotten and treated as, you know, savages or people who are just left out in the, to be shot when the train drives by, you know, like that is their, how the rest of the world views them. And I was going, you know, okay, it's nice to give some hum uh, humanization to these characters, but where's this next step coming with how it influences Boba in the future? And I think this tree scene, this uh, this entire spiritual experience he has is a way to connect him to the tribe way, way closer and way beyond just your traditional, like, oh, he's done something nice for them, so now they'll accept him. And he's proven himself in their eyes because we've seen that cliche so many times in so many stories over hundreds of years. And, mm -hmm. and in this, it started to feel unique and that's what I was hoping for. And they got me with it. And now I'm both equally excited to see what he does with these Tuscans as well as what he does in his capo, uh, <laughs> Boba Fett's dino life in the yeah. modern day. God, no. I mean, I love like, as he's walking, like, first of all, he was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I swallowed your lizard. <laughs> I love there's like that Tamora Morrison like humor is really showing off. Like, like there's a you know the whole Obi Wan Django exchange is like, have you been a corset recently? Possibly, anytime recently, perhaps. Like you know, like yeah, you know, like it, it it's good, but it feels a little stilted. It feels a little like oh, like a little pompous. Here it just feels like. <laughs> A dude who's just like, oh, my bad, man. Like, there's a little dust, and then it just, it felt like very, like, old man to more and more sort of humor just seeping in. And it felt a lot more natural. But just seeing him, like, like you said, like, though, we get the flashback of Camino, and then he sees, like, the sand turn into, like, waves. He's, like, swallowed up by the tree, but then he, like, flashes into feeling like he's in the Sarlacc. You know, as he's walking, he's wearing the armor. The original armor like there was clearly not a stunt double for this one because it feels like he's always felt like the guy behind the mask but now he's been unmasked for so long like what is that doing to him after you don that sort of armor right what does that mean to you and i'm, I'm assuming even compared to Django, he's taken off his armor quite less it feels like it's almost mandalorian in that sense um but yeah it was just visually fast fascinating and then he just comes back and <laughs> it just he just the guy the chief opens up his little like coconut shell thingy of sorts and then he just zips back in there and he's like oh i, I thought that was also part of the dream and i was like yeah i yeah it was spiritual it was all those things it was also just straight up like he was tripping on like spice and shrooms or something it was religious it was serene it was chaotic there was so much to it that felt like a mix of everything and i think that's I guess that really is comes down to why I really enjoy this episode, especially 
more and more as this progressed because Star Wars, like any good series, takes from other genres, takes from other stories from different cultures. And it's always been really great at that. Like Star Wars has like a Hindu influence with like Yoda being an old Sanskrit words. There's a lot of like Buddhist and Japanese influence. There's so much Asian influence, so much African influence. There's there's so much just different cultures from day one in Star Wars. But now we're going to see like a little bit of like that richness with the authentic development of these Tuscans to feel like, yeah, maybe like, like Fremen spinoff, but their ecosystem, their way of life, similar, but different, richer and showing potential for even more. And that whole final sequence was great. And Star Wars is at its best when it pulls from so many different things and creates something new out of it. And this felt so rich and authentic and new that I was like, yeah, nothing like I thought. And then right as it ended, when they're doing their whole dance and chant with the gaffy stick, the final part of their ceremony, and then you just hear the, yeah, like the whole like Boba Fett chant. And I was like, yeah, okay, now this theme song is just hitting because now I really understand why that theme song is so great. Now I understand why that direction was chosen because so much of that Tuscan influence, the rise of his character. And yeah, and like you said, I want to see Jango Fett. I think it's a, it's going to be more of like a hallucination sort of thing. Like he sees himself in his armor and then sees his father face to face instead of like a memory. I feel like the Daniel Logan thing, body double is a little hard to pull off. That being said, who knows? We got Luke with a faked voice that was just completely computer generated. Who knows? It'd be pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, as far as an episode goes, that's the one that makes me go like, yeah, this is this is going to be amazing. And now, you know, we've only got five more episodes to go, but I feel like they're going to all slap just as much as this one. Yeah, I hope so. And I hope it continues in that direction. And oh, my God, yeah, ever since now that you say that, I would love to see a face to face Tamora in both Boba and Jango's armor. Yeah. I want to see that, you know, that parallel clone stuff. I want them to go into the clone angle. I don't think they will as much here. I think they're going to save that for maybe a possible Boba Fett, like Bad Batch appearance or something. But yeah, there's so many levels to Boba's story that we can touch on so many different things. And and the dual stories in this is, is now becoming more evident why it's needed and a lot more exciting, both of them. Yeah. <laughs> I think the flashback yeah. in the first episode, like you said, it, it, it's exciting to see him crawl out of the Sarlacc pit. That's what we wanted. We wanted to see something of that nature, but never expected to get a dual story show like this. And uh, it seems like both are going to be pretty epic. And I think eventually we were kind of talking about this off camera a little bit before the show starts, or I mean, uh, yeah, before we started this show. These, I think these things will all merge eventually and we'll start to get oh, yeah. both timelines right. where we won't have flashbacks by episode 6 or 7. So, yeah, anyway, Boba Fett, Chapter 2, The Tribes of Tatooine, significantly better than Chapter 1. If you like Chapter 1, you're going to love this. If you're on the fence about Chapter 1, I think you'll at least like this show a lot more and be interested in seeing where it goes. We do get so many more hints at the actual plot of the show who the villains are, what is the overall plan. And I, I think even though the twins were put in very ceremoniously, 
it, they weren't treated as possibly maybe the biggest villains of all. Who knows? But if you want to know, check out our speculation and predictions video that is coming out later this week. You're going to want to check that out. We will be talking all about our predictions and speculations for the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 3, and the rest of the series as we know it after two episodes of the Book of Boba Fett. So thank you all so much for watching. If you haven't already, please hit that like button down below and subscribe to our channel for Star Wars content three days a week and a ton of Book of Boba Fett content uh we will be covering the entire show as well as predictions speculations and, uh, and anything else in between with the book of boba fett and then comment below let us know what you thought of the episode what you thought of the black croissant reveal what you thought of the new huts what you thought of the tribal stuff with the flashbacks and the how boba fett becomes a member of the tribe and the gaffy stick all that stuff the train heist this was such a huge <laughs> episode that flowed so nicely and still didn't cram too much at us and gave us a lot of hope for the future so let us know what you think down below if you haven't followed us on social media follow us on facebook instagram and tiktok at star wars lads and that is it that's this episode thank you so much for watching we'll see you next time for our predictions and speculation